0: Pastor Rick filled in last week, did a great job. And so I heard he brought a lot of enthusiasm, and a lot of excitement, and he was fired up. So I heard all about it this week, got to catch a little glimpse of him online. But we're going to continue that message entitled Creative Power Why Our Words Matter to God. And in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and then he separated the light from the darkness. And in verse 26, the Bible says that God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, and they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So let's just kind of revisit or kind of recap a couple thoughts. We said, number one, that our words matter to God because we were created to be like God, right? We were created to be like God. We're not God, but we're supposed to be like Him. We were created in His image and His likeness, and we were created to create and like God, right, we've recognized, like God, our words have creative power. God spoke the world into existence, and we have the power of death and life, Proverbs 1821 says, in our tongue. And our words literally have creative power. We are creating the world in which we are living our lives. And we just begin to recognize how significant that was. And we began to understand just a couple weeks ago that according to Scripture, Jesus said that on the day of judgment, we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. And we recognize that if Jesus said we're going to give an account for every word that we speak, then our words just can't be words. Our words have to be more than that. Our words are spiritual containers, right? They're spiritual containers that release life and death. And our words really do matter to God. And guess what? If they matter to God, they ought to matter to us. Amen? So look at that next point. We recognize also a couple kind of four significant things that we looked at over the last couple of weeks. We said our words matter to God. Because our words frame our world, right? Hebrews eleven three 3 says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So our words frame our world. And we talked about how significant that is, how that we will actually begin to build the life that our words frame. And what we say frames up the structure of our life. And we understand that our wor- our world is more than our words, but it is our words that frame the world that we build. and we will begin to build into the things that we are speaking and declaring and decreeing over our lives. So our words frame our world. But we also recognize last week that our words shape our soul. And as Pastor Rick was teaching here in Arab last Sunday, he talked about the fact that you and I, right, we are a spirit, right? You're a spirit. You are created in the image of God, and you are a spirit, which means you are eternal. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. You're either going to live forever in heaven, or you're going to live forever in hell, but you are a spirit being. You are an eternal being created in the image and the likeness of God. You are a spirit. You're eternal. And you have a soul, a mind, a will, and an emotion. And your soul is significant. Your soul is significant because your soul is the place of authority. It is in your soul, in your mind, will, and emotions that you choose. Choose you this day, God said, whom you will serve. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Behold, I set before you life and death, God says, choose life. It's in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions that you choose. Am I going to walk in the Spirit, or am I going to walk in the flesh? Am I going to follow God, or am I going to follow the temptations of the world? It is in that place of the soul that you choose. It's where God gives us the free will, which makes us have a loving relationship with God. And so in that place of my soul, my mind, will, and emotions, I choose how I am going to live my life. So I'm a spirit, I'm eternal, I have a soul, I have a mind, will, and emotions, and I live in a body, this is your earth suit, right? Your body gives you permission and authority to operate here on planet earth. So you're a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Now look with me in 3 John chapter 1. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Why do our words matter? Our words matter because our words shape our soul. Our words shape our soul. We recognized last week that what I say, my words shape my thoughts, my words define my desires, and my words actually govern my emotions. So you can say something like this. You can say, every time I see Jerry, I just get mad. Every time I see Jerry, I get mad. And you know what'll happen every time you see Jerry, guess what'll happen? You'll get mad. And every time I get around them, I just get so frustrated. Right? When I get around Sally, she just I mean she just steals my joy. And you know what you're doing? You are you are using your words to shape your soul. Your words Create your thoughts, your words define your desire, which is your will, and your words govern your emotion. Now, here's what's significant. That scripture we just read, it's on the screen right there. It says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So let's take that phrase, just as, and put an equal sign right there. So I pray that you prosper and be in health equal to your soul. Why do your words matter? Your words matter because your words shape your soul, and then your soul shapes your life. You will never prosper and be in health beyond the quality and condition of your soul. Your mind, will, and emotions will dictate and control the quality and condition of your life. And medical science has proven this. Think about this. How many times, how many of us know, medically proven, that stress... How many of you know stress is a mental, emotional thing? Stress will cause heart problems. Stress will cause nerve problems. Stress will cause digestive problems. Stress will eat away at your physical health. Now, stress is not a physical problem, stress is a soul problem. It's my mind and my emotions being stressed out, and from the condition of my soul, I will be in health. If my soul is stressed out, my body will manifest through sickness and disease the accurate condition of my soul. So why do my words matter? My words matter because my words shape my soul, and then my soul shapes my life. I will never prosper physically, relationally, mentally, emotionally, beyond the condition of my soul. We learned last week also not only do our words shape our souls, but we, were, we learned that our words fuel our joy, right? Proverbs chapter 15 says, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. I love that. I love that scripture. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Why? Because I don't have joy by the circumstances of my life. If your joy was based on circumstances, that would be horrible. (laughs) Because how many of you understand, circumstantially, life sometimes stinks. Y'all with me? Y'all okay? Y'all still living the same world I'm living in? Sometimes, circumstantially, life just stinks. And if my joy was based on my circumstances, then I would be subjected. My joy would be subjected to the choices and decisions of other people. So when you acted right, I could have joy. And when you didn't act right, I would have sorrow. When you acted right, I could be happy. And when you didn't act right, I would be sad. But here's the good news. My joy is not subjected to my circumstances. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And I love that phrase, the answer of his mouth, because the answer of your mouth is your response. Because every day, depressing, discouraging, and disappointing things happen. Every day. Every day there are depressing things that are going on. There are discouraging things that are going on. There are disappointing things that are going on. Every day you encounter depressing people, (laughs) discouraging people, (laughs) disappointing people. Every day. That happens all around us all the time. And if you're not depressed, discouraged, and disappointed, just watch the news. You will be. Right? But the Bible says a man doesn't have joy... By the circumstances that surround him, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. It's how you respond to the depressing, discouraging, disappointing circumstances and situations in your life that determine whether you have joy or sorrow, that determine whether you have peace or grief, that determine whether you walk in victory or whether you walk in defeat. How you answer those circumstances and situations determines the joy that you have. our words matter to God because our words fuel our joy. And then we learn that our words also create our vision. And we recognized something last week. We recognized that I am visually attracted to what I am verbally saying. And I use the example, I don't know what example Pastor Ricky used. I use the example of parents and children and husbands and wives, because I think that's something we can kind of all relate to in the room here today. Think about parents. If you say my kids never obey, they're always disobedient, they're always back talking, they're always rebellious, they're always this, they're always that. If that's what you say consistently and continually about your kids, guess what you'll see? You'll see every disobedient, you'll see every rebellious act, you'll see every, every form of rebellion that they have. You'll see it all. If you say of your spouse, my spouse is just so unloving, my spouse is disrespectful, my spouse is uncaring, my spouse is not concerned about me, my spouse doesn't love me. If that's what you consistently say, I'm not saying you said it one time, but if that's what you consistently say about your spouse, you know what will happen? You'll see, you'll see every unloving, uncaring, every disrespectful act that they do. And what's crazy is you can be in a room of people... And your spouse or your kids can say something or do something, and you're like, did you see that? And everybody else is like, what? I didn't see nothing. Well, yeah, they had that little snarl. Did you see that little crack in the corner of their face right there? That was disrespect. You know why? Because you see, you see what you say. You see what you say, and the more you say it, guess what? The more you'll see it. You want to talk about how bad the world is, 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 how bad the world is? You know what you'll see? You'll see how bad the world is. I mean, you'll see it in every turn. You'll see it in babies being born. You'll see it in elderly people. You'll see it in the government. You'll see it in the church. You'll see it everywhere you go. If your confession is how bad the world is, you'll see every bad thing. Now, the truth is, the world is bad. But the truth is God is good, (laughs) and I can create vision with my words. And if all I say is the negative, then all I'll see is what is wrong, and I'll be depressed, and I'll be discouraged, and I will sabotage every relationship. Because how many of you understand, you can't have a relationship with somebody that's healthy and godly if all you see and all you say is what's wrong with them? If every time me and you got together I told you how sorry you were, we probably wouldn't get together much. (laughs) And if every time we got together you told me how sorry we were, I'm just going to tell you we're not eating out again. (laughs) I'll wave at you from a distance. (laughs) Because that sabotages relationships and it robs you. Now the truth is, let's just be honest here, the truth is every child is obedient and disobedient. Every child is rebellious and submissive. And if we bring that bar up just a little bit, let's be honest. Every adult is obedient and disobedient. Every adult is submissive and rebellious. Right? You've rebelled against God. You've obeyed God and you've rebelled against God. You've submitted to God and you've disobeyed God. We've all done it. The truth is, we are all all of those things, but the decision has to be made, what do I want to see in that person? Do I want to see every fault and every failure, or do I want to see the good that God is doing in them so I can begin to call out what God has for their life? But if I don't call it out, I'll never see it. And so words create vision. So let's look at our next point today. Our words matter to life, matter to God, because our lives will be filled with the fruit of our mouth. Our lives will be filled with the fruit of our mouth. Words are not just spiritual containers, they are spiritual seeds that produce a harvest. Words are not just spiritual containers that create life and death, words are spiritual seeds that produce a harvest. Look at Proverbs 18 21. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. And from the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. Your life will be filled with the fruit of your mouth. And in Galatians 6, 7, the Bible says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Words are spiritual seeds. They're not just, they're not just creative power that brings life or death, but they're actually spiritual seeds that produce a harvest and your life will be filled with the fruit of your lips. Now if you think about the most negative person you know, don't look at your neighbor, but if you think about the most negative person you know, you can see that very simply, right? You can, walk, you can listen to their words, and they're critical, and they're judgmental, and they're negative about everything, everyone and everything that's happening, to every, everyone that's going on in the world, and guess what? You can look at their life, and there is no doubt, their world is filled with the fruit of their words. And the more critical they are, and the more judgmental they are, and the more condescending they are, and the more judgmental they are, and the more harsh they are, the more of that stuff that fills their life. Now, if you flip the coin and think about the most Christ-like person you know, think about the person you know that looks the most like Jesus, that loves like Jesus, that cares like Jesus, that has compassion like Jesus, that serves like Jesus. And you know what you'll find out when you look at that person? Their life is also filled with the fruit of their words. They're speaking life. They're speaking encouragement. They're speaking hope. They're speaking faith. They're speaking the Word of God. They're declaring and they're decreeing the truths of Scripture over their life, over their family, over their finances, over their circumstances. Why? Because words are not just spiritual containers, they are spiritual seeds that produce a harvest. Now this is the truth about a harvest, right? Here's the amazing thing about harvest. The harvest is always larger than the seed. The harvest is always larger than the seed. right? You can plant one watermelon seed, and you can get a watermelon vine with multiple watermelons, and inside one watermelon there will be hundreds of seeds. Because the harvest is always bigger than the seed. Jesus, when he was talking about giving, he says, given it'll be given to you. And this is how it comes back to you, Jesus said. "Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's how it comes back. So my words are spiritual seeds. My life will be filled with the fruit of my mouth. And not only is it going to be filled with the fruit of my mouth, but the things that I say are going to come back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, if you're saying the right words, that's a wonderful thing. If you're saying the wrong words, Lord, help us, Jesus. So think about it. I just wrote down several things here. I just didn't want to meet. Think about what are you saying about your family, right? We're, we're about to come into the holiday season. And we say, we say not good things. We say our family can't even get together without somebody breaking out into a fight. We can't even have one family dinner without somebody showing off. Now, that may be true, but that doesn't have to be truth. The truth is, is that God is a God of peace. God can bring peace and unity into our hearts and our minds. And here's what I know to be true. I know that the only way I can change my harvest is I got to change my seed. If you're tired of watermelon, you got to plant something else. If you're tired of green beans, you got to plant something else. If you're tired of cantaloupe, you got to plant something else, right? If you're tired of the harvest, you got to sow a different seed. So yes, maybe last time and for the last 25 years, every time we get together, somebody gets in an argument, we have a fuss, and it ends up being crazy. But what if this year, instead of saying what has been, I start saying what God says and what I desire Him to do in my family? And I begin to sow seeds of peace and unity and harmony in my family and in my home and in my community and in my church and in my world instead of sowing seeds of discord and sowing seeds of disruption and sowing seeds of chaos and sowing seeds of confusion. And just little, 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 little smart remarks like, well, well I wonder who's going to act out this year. Maybe nobody. Maybe we could get together this year and actually enjoy each other's company. Maybe we can say peace instead of chaos. Maybe we can speak unity instead of confusion. Maybe we can begin to sow the right seed. Now I'm not saying if you start speaking now that come Thanksgiving, you're going to have this perfect family gathering, but I tell you what I am saying, I am saying if you don't change your seeds, you'll never change your harvest. And sometimes the harvest comes quick, and sometimes it takes time. But here's the good news. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. God watches over not only his word, he watches over your words. (laughs) Because on the day of judgment, we're going to give an account for them. Because our words are spiritual seeds. Think, think about just a couple other areas, and we're going to move on. Think about your marriage. Think about your kids. Think about your health. This is a good one. I'll just share a little personal testimony here. Two years ago, I realized I had to do something about my health. And my kids and my wife had been after me and my family had been after me for over a year, for a couple years. Keith, you need to lose weight, you need to do this, you need to do that. Even people in the church that love me, you know, they love me a whole lot and they say, they would say, Pastor Keith, you're fat and you're overweight and you're going to die. And, and they'd s- say it really nice. They wouldn't say it like that, right? They would, they would with Christian love, they would tell you that stuff. Two years ago, though, two two years ago, so so June of two years ago, I, I had to make a change, and, and the biggest change I made, I'm just gonna tell you, the most transformational change I made. I I I've changed the way I eat, I have changed the way I live, I've changed I've changed a, a, every aspect of my physical life, but the biggest change was my words. The biggest change was my words, because I used to say stuff like this: "I hate vegetables." If you see me running, you better run too, because something big's behind me. <laughs> but now I say, two years ago, this was my confession. In my daily quiet time, and I spend time at the feet of Jesus every day, in my daily quiet time, this is what I started saying Father, I thank you. I'm losing weight and I'm getting in shape. 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 And now I love vegetables. I ran a half marathon this year. Three weeks ago, I rode 30 miles on my bicycle, and I am in shape. I'm probably in better shape now at 47 than I was when I was 27. But the biggest change, hear me, the biggest change was not my diet and not my exercise. The biggest change was my words. My words. I had to begin to sow the seeds of the harvest that I wanted to reap. One of Kelly's favorite testimonies is Joyce Myers, and Joyce Myers tells a story about how she used to be a smoker and how she finally quit smoking. She said the way she quit smoking is every time she'd light a cigarette, she'd say, I hate smoking. I hate cigarettes. I can't stand the smell of smoke. She said every time she'd light a cigarette, she'd say, I hate cigarettes. I hate smoking. I hate the smell of smoke. And she said it would not too long before she stopped lighting cigarettes. Because the only way to change your harvest is to change your seed. If you want a different harvest, you've got to sow a different seed. couple more thoughts for some of our young folks in here. Maybe, maybe you're in school. Maybe you're in college. Think about what you're saying about your grades, about your education. I just can't learn this. I can't pass this test. This teacher's got it out for me. I just can't get through this. This year is going to be too hard. This subject is too difficult for me. This is just too challenging. I just can't learn this. I just can't figure this out. How many times are we sowing the seed of a harvest that we don't want? But we're sowing the seed. A couple more things. Your friends, your enemies, your job, your future, your spiritual life. Let me just say this because I'm a pastor and I love the Word of God. I, I, I hear people all the time tell me this, Pastor Keith, I just can't understand the Bible. I just can't understand the Bible. I just can't understand the Bible. I can't understand the Bible. You, you, you've got a doctorate degree, and you've got a master's degree, and you've got a bachelor's degree in engineering, and you can't understand the Bible? How is it you can read everything else that you read and understand it, but you can't understand the Bible? You know why you can't understand the Bible? Because you say you can't understand the Bible. You keep sowing seeds of doubt. You keep sowing seeds of unbelief. You keep sowing seeds that are producing a harvest in your life. I can't understand the Bible. I just can't hear the voice of God. I just can't seem to be used by God. I just can't seem to get hold of what God wants me to. I just can't seem to get on the same page that God wants me to be on. And as you say those seeds, guess what you're doing? You're sowing, you're sowing seeds, and you're going to reap a harvest. So, what would happen if you said, I love the Word of God and I understand the Scriptures? I love the Word of God and I understand the Scriptures. I love the Word of God and I understand the Scriptures. I love the Word of God. Brother Broadus, don't you love the Word of God? And we understand the Scriptures. And I don't understand the Scriptures because I'm a preacher. I understand the Scriptures because somewhere along the way I started confessing and declaring that God's Word was life. (laughs) And He gives me revelation, knowledge, and understanding that I have the mind of Christ. And that I can see and I can hear what God has in store for me. And that's not for Pastor Keith. That's for everybody that believes. So words are seeds. Look at our next point. Our words matter to God because our words set the direction of our lives. Our words set the direction of life. It's our direction, not our intentions that determine the path that we take and the places we go. James chapter 3, we looked at this scripture a couple weeks ago, but I want to reread it to you. It says, indeed, we all make mistakes, but if, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect It can also control ourselves in every other way. And look at verse 3 through 5. He says, and we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And then look at verse 5. And in the same way. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. He says, and in the same way, like a bit in a horse's mouth, like the rudder on a ship, your tongue sets the direction of your life. It is is amazing because we actually subconsciously will move in the direction of our declarations. We don't even realize that we're doing it many times. But we are so accustomed, think about this, we are so accustomed of announcing what we are about to do. We do it all the time, we don't even realize we're doing it. You, you'll do it today when you get home. You'll get home with your wife and you'll be sitting there in the living room and you'll get up to go to the bathroom and you'll say, I'm going to the restroom. I'm going to go to the kitchen and get me something to eat. I'm going to go grab me a snack. I'm going to call the kids. I'm just going to look through Facebook for a little while. I'm going to read. I'm going to go out here and pray. You've been going to work for 40 years, and every morning when you walk out of the house, you say, I'm going to work. All the time, we declare the direction of our life. And we don't even realize we're doing it. But over and over, we just declare what we're about to do. We declare what we're about to do. We declare what we're about to do. Why? Because words set direction. Like, Like a bit in a horse's mouth, like a rudder on a ship, the words of our life set the direction of our life. Now here's the challenge. The challenge is it's our direction, not our intentions, that determine the path that we're on and the places we go. And this is what I've recognized about us as Christian people. Most of us as Christian people, we have good intentions. And we really desire, we desire to do the things that please God. The problem is, is that many Christians get to the end of their life, and they haven't done the thing that pleases God, and they they end up at the end of their life living with regret, wishing they had done stuff different than what they had done. But here's the challenge, here's here's why it doesn't work. It doesn't work because with our words of our mouth, we actually sabotage the desires of our heart. So in our heart we wanna serve God, but with our mouth we say, I just don't have time right now. With our heart we wanna serve God, but with our mouth we'll say, this is just not a good season. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that sincerely wanna use their gifts and their talents for the glory of God, but they tell me Pastor Keith, when I get through this season, I'm going to get engaged. Pastor Keith, when we get the kids raised, I'm going to get involved. Pastor Keith, when I I get through this time in my work, right now we're just really busy. Well, y'all been really busy for 30 years. Well, when I get through this time, I'm going to do that. And when I get through this, I'm going to do that. And when I get through this, I'm going to do that. And basically what we have done, our heart's desire is good, but our declaration is wrong. In our heart, we want to do the things that please God, but with our mouth, we set the direction of our life in a way that takes us away from what God has called us to, instead of toward. So let me give you a great key today. This is worth the price of admission this morning. If you can get the declaration of your mouth to line up with the desire of God that He's put in your heart, you'll find yourself on the path and in the place God wants you to be. If you can get the declaration of your mouth to line up with the desire of your heart that God's put in you. I'm not talking about selfish, self-centered desire. I'm talking about that God desire that He put in you. God put a desire in you to provide for your family, to love the people that are near you. God put a desire in you to make a difference in this world. God put a desire in you to be a soul-winning, disciple-making, devil-stomping Christian. You desire to make a difference. That's in you. And if you could just get the declaration of your mouth to line up with the God desire that's in your heart, you would wake up in about a week, that quick, and you would recognize that the direction of your life has shifted. And you would start finding yourself on a path and in a place that actually lines up with the desire that God put in your heart. And it all begins with... The declaration of our mouth. Let's just bow our heads today. Words are so powerful. And the Bible declares the power of our words in Romans chapter 10. And it's really amazing what the scripture says. It says, but what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach. And that if you would confess through your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And here it is. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for the scripture says whosoever believes in him shall not be put to shame and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved your words are so powerful that it's the belief in your heart and the confession of your mouth that Jesus is Lord that saves you and maybe you're here today and maybe you've never been saved Maybe you believe, maybe you know in your heart of hearts Jesus is Lord. He died on the cross, He rose again on the third day. You believe that. But maybe you also recognize even though you've believed it in your heart, you've never confessed Jesus as Lord of your life. And the Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Words are so powerful that our eternal salvation hinges on what we believe and what we say. And today if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Keith, I want to confess Jesus as Lord. I believe. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins and I believe that I'm a sinner and right now I know I'm separated from God. But I want to accept Him today as my Lord and Savior. And I want to confess with my mouth today that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you right now, just all across this building, do something very simple but very powerful. It's called an act of faith. I want you just to stand up right where you're at. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed, not because we don't want anyone looking at you, but I want you to to be totally focused on your own heart right now. And if today you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to do that right now, I want you just to stand up, just a simple act of faith. Today I want to confess with my mouth. I want to change my eternal destination. I believe in my heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and today I want to confess and make Him the Lord of my life. If that's you, I want you to stand. I want to pray with you right now. We want, I want to lead you in a really simple prayer. But it's a prayer that's so powerful that it will change the eternal destination of your life. Your Word set your direction. Right now you're either headed to heaven, or you're headed to hell and the only thing that can change that is what you believe in your heart based on the death and resurrection of Jesus and what you say with your mouth that you confess him as Lord if today you want to make that change and you want to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior just go ahead and stand we're about to close the service we're not going to linger but this is your moment and if you want to confess him today you can do it right now well, Father, we thank you today that death and life is the power of our tongue. I thank you today that our words are spiritual seeds that produce a harvest. And today, Father, today, we declare. We declare. Your word says that if we delight ourselves in you, you'll give us the desires of our heart. And I thank you for a God desire. Lord, we just today align our lives, our words. We just declare that our declaration is going to be lined up with your desire. And that we're going to walk the path, reap the harvest, and live the life you've called us to live. Because today we are willing to sow a new seed, set a new direction, and make a new declaration over our lives. And we receive that grace today. The word of faith in our heart and in our mouths today, we receive it and we declare it.